Hi, and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Spanish philosopher George Santayana didn't have Palestine in mind when he coined the phrase, history repeats itself. Yet, Mr. Santayana's maxim could apply to Hamas when comparing the group's political evolution to the 16-year tortures road traversed by the Palestine Liberation Organization from classification by Israel and its Western allies as a terrorist organization to establishing the Palestine Authority on Israel-occupied Palestinian land. To be sure, there is no guarantee that Hamas, despite its brutal October 7 attack on Israel and wanton slaughter of 1,200 mostly civilian Israelis, will emulate the PLO in eventually recognizing Israel and abandoning the armed struggle. Moreover, Hamas's current notion of realpolitik falls far short of anything that would qualify it as an acceptable and credible party to the negotiation of a resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Even so, the parallels between the PLO and Hamas's political evolution are noteworthy. The PLO embarked on its road to recognition of Israel and abandonment of the armed struggle in 1974, with a first-ever direct appeal to Israelis, published as an advertisement in Yediot Akronot, a leading Israeli newspaper, by the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine and its leader, Naya Hawatme. The PLO refused to address Israelis directly prior to publication, because that would acknowledge the Jewish state. The DFLP's pioneering advocacy of Palestinian engagement with Israel and recognition of the Jewish state as part of the PLO's endorsement of a two-state resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict did not stop the group's primarily Gaza-based paramilitary wing, the National Resistance Brigades, from participating in Hamas's October 7 attack. The brigade said it had lost three fighters in combat with the Israeli military. It said it engaged Israeli forces in the towns of Kfaraza, Be'eri, and Kisufim. The October 7 attack claimed the lives of at least 130 Israeli civilians, or 10% of Be'eri's residents, including women, children, and infants. The publication of Mr. Awatma's appeal was negotiated by American activist and journalist Paul Jacobs as part of an initiative that would have included talks hosted by Tunisian President Habib Bourguiba between the PLO and two prominent Israeli politicians, Ariel Yav, a member of parliament and former secretary general of the then-governing Labour Party, and Yitzhak Ben-Aaron, the head of Histadrut, Israel's national trade union that was closely aligned with Labour. The plan was scuttled month after the advertisement when DFLP operatives attacked the girls' school in Maalot in Israel. They took 115 people hostage and killed 31, including 25 schoolgirls. The DFLP attacked 
Malo to reestablish its credibility after being heavily criticized for its outreach to Israelis. The Malot attack overshadowed the significance of the PLO's first formal steps towards accepting a two-state solution a month after the incident. The PLO's parliament, the Palestine National Council meeting in Cairo, adopted a 10-point program that called for the establishment of the people's independent combatant national authority over every part of Palestinian territory that is liberated. The Council endorsed three years later the Palestinians' right to establish their own independent national state over their national soil. For the first time, the PLO stressed the importance of connecting and coordinating with the Jewish progressive and democratic forces inside and outside the occupied homeland. It took the PLO another decade to unambiguously recognize Israel and declare an end to its armed struggle. Similarly, Hamas adopted an updated charter in 2017 that differed significantly from its 1988 fundamental document, but was as ambiguous as the PLO pronouncements in the 1970s. Hamas's original 1988 charter called for the killing of Jews based on a saying attributed to the Prophet Muhammad. Hamas dropped the call to kill Jews in its new charter. The 1988 charter also insisted on a Palestinian state in all of historic Palestine that would replace the state of Israel. Significantly, Hamas adopted its first charter months before PLO leader Yasser Arafat recognized Israel. Hamas's revised charter still calls for Israel to be replaced by a Palestinian state in all of historic Palestine, but allows for the creation of a Palestinian state alongside Israel as an interim step, provided it does not involve recognition of the Jewish state. Instead, the charter advocates a long-term ceasefire that would de facto acknowledge Israel's existence. Complicating Hamas's potential to follow the PLO's path is the group's rejection of an Israeli and U.S. negotiating framework that demands recognition of Israel and abandonment of the armed struggle as a prerequisite rather than an outcome of negotiations that was adopted by Mr. Arafat. Hamas concluded from the failure of the PLO's approach and the 1993 Oslo Accords to produce an independent Palestinian state alongside Israel that Palestinian concessions up front were counterproductive. The brutality of Hamas's October 7 attack ensures that any role for Hamas or a potential successor in future negotiations will have to adopt the Israeli-U.S. framework. This reduces the likelihood, if not ensures, that Hamas or its successor will follow in the PLO's footsteps. Even so, the jury is out on whether Hamas, if it survives the war, or a likely successor, will retain spoiler capability. Irrespective of whether Hamas adopts the PLO model, Palestinian moderation is a torturous process. It often adheres to the principle of two steps forward, one step backwards. To be sure, 
Hamas's decision to randomly kill anyone, Jewish or non-Jewish, during the October 7 attack, rather than only target Israeli military personnel and facilities, is a huge step backwards that has wreaked unimaginable Palestinian suffering. The jury is out on who Palestinians will hold responsible for the Gaza carnage, Israel and or Hamas. Despite this, one doesn't choose one's enemy and concludes peace with one's adversary. It is becoming increasingly clear that Israel is unlikely to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. Even if Hamas is destroyed, its hardline philosophy will survive, probably embodied in a successor. More than 30 years after Mr. Arafat recognized Israel and abandoned the armed struggle, and three decades after the conclusion of the Oslo Accords, it is evident that Palestinian moderation is a fragile process that needs nurturing. Israel's emphasis on the stick rather than the carrot, coupled with the Palestine Authority and Hamas's failure to provide good governance and effective leadership, significantly contributed to the nascence of armed resistance on the West Bank, the October 7 Hamas attack, and the DFLP's participation in the assault. To be clear, nothing justifies the random killing of innocent civilians. Even so, more killings and greater rep repression of Palestinians is not a solution. A pathway towards the solution lies in fewer Israeli sticks and more Israeli carrots. It lies in empowering Palestinians rather than undermining them. It resides in encouraging Palestinian moderation rather than stymieing it. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you. Take care and best wishes.